Good morning and welcome. You've got Sarah and Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. Sarah, you dropped a bomb on me a second ago about these Broncos. I did. And you know what? I didn't know about it. I'm going to apologize real quick. I have a really scratchy voice. So bear with me today. But I want to tell you about the Ford Broncos, the brand new Ford Broncos. They're very nice looking uh, vehicles. There. Yes, and I'm a huge Ford Bronco mm-hmm. fan. Likewise. I, I like the the older versions, but, but I do like the newer ones as well. Oh, yeah. Well, I came across this article. It was published a couple of days ago. But the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration is looking into dozens of reports of Broncos suffering, quote, catastrophic engine failure man those are nice new vehicles people waited some people uh i know i know we have a good customer mike he's a great guy uh uh, retired navy man by the way um super he has two broncos so you remember the old 70s bronco we had it that we did a big restoration yes that was his oh very nice and then uh we put a engine he has a later model one i think it's about a 94 or 5 full-size bronco and uh, he had put a deposit down, and he said after a year, he just went and got his deposit back because he waited and waited and waited. Well, from what you're telling me, thank goodness he did. Otherwise, he'd have had an engine problem. I know. Well, we have a friend that Ryan goes to drill with, and he has one of those brand new ones, and he went all out. He's got all the trim packages yeah, yeah. and all that. It's very, very nice. But after reading this article, I thought, whew, yeah. he better check it out. So. This is what it says. The investigation comes after 32 official owner complaints were filed, and it covers 25,538 Broncos built for the 2021 model year. And that is with the uh, 2.7 liter turbocharged engine option. Mm-hmm. Now, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration says that uh, under normal driving conditions, without warning, the vehicle may experience a loss of motive power without restart due to catastrophic engine failure related to a faulty valve. Oh, man. Yeah. Dang it. Well, hopefully Ford's going to step up to the plate. Sounds like they are. Hopefully they have parts. Hopefully. Which is a big deal right now. Um, that they can get that taken care of. But, Sarah, you and I have talked for years at this point. You know, the first generation, and, and this I wouldn't say really dampens my opinion on Ford Motor Company or the Bronco. If you got one, you need to be proactive about it. But the first generation is always plagued with issues, and then they'll do the second generation, and they'll get better. Typically, you want really that third version of whatever it is. And so we got another hopefully few years there before Ford gets all their stuff taken care of. If you had the opportunity, Sarah, would you buy one of those Broncos? Uh, I don't know. So I had been looking at mm-hmm. them. I just I like the style. I like the size of them. Yeah. And I've just always been a Bronco fan. Mm-hmm. And the price is what really kind of stopped me from being interested in one. I believe there was a used one and this was... Several months ago, mm-hmm. and I think that I had talked about it on the show. I think it had like eighteen thousand miles on it, and they wanted like forty six thousand oh for it. Yeah, it was quite six G. Yeah, I that is wow. a little bit out of my price budget. Yeah, <laughs> but, you talk about that's a hefty payment. Yeah, but if I was going to buy a Bronco, I would probably get one of the older generations. Yeah, they uh, in some of those older generations, I've been seeing at auction lately. 
wow, they've been bringing oh, some yeah. beans. I mean, it's been incredible what some of that stuff's been going for. I believe, and and Sarah, you and I were talking off air, I think we're kind of at the crux of some of the absurd pricing that's been going on and the availability. We're still in it right now. It's Things are still hiring the cats back. But I think in the next few months, we're going to really start seeing inventory start to kind of swing backwards to where there's some options out there, which I hope they are for sure. Well, and this isn't automotive related, but I know that we have been seeing it in certain stores already that mm-hmm. they've been doing price slashes. I know that like Target and Walmart and some of those big yep. box stores like that, they have been slashing some of their electronic prices just mm. because they've had such a plethora okay. and they can't move them off of their shelves. So we went from having shortages to having an overabundance. Mm. I think, you know, there were some economists that kind of talked about all yeah. that stuff that was sitting offshore um, so hopefully, finally, it sounds like maybe they're getting a little bit caught up. And and you're right. If they got a surplus, they got to move that stuff. So that'll be a nice thing. I'm not seeing that in the auto parts side of the world yet. Um, we're still, I don't want to say struggling. That's not really probably how I would consider it. But the lead time on, on stuff is just pretty, uh, it's different than I've ever, you know, experienced in the past. I've been doing this professionally for almost 20 years now, and I was just talking with the gentleman a little bit ago. He's like, how, how long before I could have a uh, set of nice uh, stainless or chrome tips? And I said, well, a couple years ago, I could tell you probably next day, but now it's probably going to be a couple weeks before I get them. So we are still getting that stuff. The op- uh, the volume of options is a little bit more slimmed down and the lead time, but we're all we're still finding that stuff. So it is coming in. Um, have you experienced anything kind of in the studio world? Has it been decent for you guys to be able to keep all this stuff running? Uh, yeah, it's actually, we've gotten quite a bit of, uh, new items around the studio. We it's have a new system cool. yeah. and we are going to be getting a new wrap in our studio. Actually that design, oh, I know that you like guys it. can't see it, but you'll see it on Facebook live coming soon. Uh, yes. So we are going to have all new walls and i believe that we're going to get the uh, vehicle wrapped as Mm -hmm. well so so we actually have uh at least one of the station's vehicles over right now we're kind of rehabbing it you know the last couple years i don't think they got utilized all that much so we're getting them up to speed and that i think a little bit later in the show we'll talk about as well because i've been noticing a lot of folks having vehicles that they've had for whatever reason just kind of sitting around maybe it had a problem, and instead of getting rid of it, they just decided to park it. Um, I've got a gentleman who brought a truck, had been sitting eight years with an engine failure, and he's ready to get the thing back on the road, and I think that's pretty wise because we're still, I know the used market's going to loosen up a little bit, but the new car and truck market's still going to be pretty tight for the next couple of years. Mm. Speaking of setting vehicles, this has kind of nothing to do with what you were talking sure. about, but I... Almost texted you the other day because I have a story for you. Mm-hmm. And I didn't. I thought, I'll just tell it to him on air. Yeah. So the other day, there had been a vehicle that had probably been setting for about a week mm-hmm. on the side of the road. Now, I live way out in the country and I do take the highway coming in and out. Now, I noticed this vehicle because I would get over for it. Yeah. And after a couple of days, you really kind of get tired of moving around yeah. it. So anyways, it had out-of-state plates. I believe they were from either Arkansas or Oklahoma. Okay. And so that was kind of a bum deal. And you knew that it was, yeah. you know, they were on their way home. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's why it had been sitting there for so long. Well, anyways, um, 
it's no longer there as of two or three days ago. Right. But one thing that I noticed a couple days before it was removed mm-hmm. was that the gas cap had... No way. Yep, it was swinging in the wind. So I believe that somebody had siphoned the gas out of this vehicle that had been setting. They had probably, like me, noticed that it had been yeah. setting there for about a week um, and it had out-of-state plates, so it's not like they could just, you know, run down the road and get it. Yeah, so, you know, you're having a bad day. Yeah. Your car breaks down and some fool goes and siphons your gas out of it. Yeah. People never cease to amaze me how far out of the way they will go to avoid actual work that they'll go and steal somebody's, you know, whatever on the side of the road. I was, I think maybe I'd shared this. It's been a couple months back. A similar situation. It was a Nissan. It was on the side of the interstate, actually down in Arkansas. Mm-hmm. And I had driven by it a couple of days. We've got a store down there that I go and help out at from time to time. And the first day or two, <clears throat> pardon me, I didn't notice anything funny with it. The next time I went by, I could see the exhaust laying down on the ground. Somebody had crawled under <sighs> it cut the catalytic converter out of it you know so not only do you have expense of whatever broke to leave you on the side of the road plus the vandalism or in this case you know hopefully all they did was siphon it and didn't get frustrated and poke a hole in the tank because i see that a lot it just amazes me people can't uh, be better people than that i know and the first thought was you know they've got out-of-state plates you know it's it's not like they can just have it towed i mean they could but the towing price oh, yeah. would be unbelievable. And just, they probably didn't have access to, to be able to get it within a couple of days. Yeah. They were probably on their way home. Because I think it was a weekend that I noticed that it was setting there. Mm. And, you know, I live up in the area where there's a couple lakes yeah. as you head to my home. So yeah. I'm wondering, they might have been going to the lake and that happen i don't know i'm just making up scenarios but i feel bad for them and and then you get back to your vehicle finally and find out you don't have gas what a bum i you know just so years ago we were actually in a similar boat i was a kid i wasn't able to drive but we had an older van and uh, we were driving it up to st louis we were going to go camping we had some friends up there and we broke down oh it was probably 120 miles or so up 44 from from springfield here and uh, when we got back, somebody had siphoned the gas yeah. out of it. And ours was a transmission issue. That was the very first transmission I ever changed was in that van, actually. Um, didn't know what I was doing. Uh, just was taking bolts out while my dad was at work. I was laying under it. And uh, <laughs> this shows how dumb I was or ignorant, I guess. I took the bolts out of the pan. And I can still remember the taste and smell of the burnt transmission fluid, which for everybody out there, you're not supposed to take the pan off whenever you're changing a transmission. But I didn't know. I was like, I bet I was probably 13 back then. I was doing it in the driveway, outside, in the grass. And uh, I was just taking bolts out. I thought I was cool, you know. And uh, So I got a nice uh, full face of burnt Uh. transmission fluid. But... Uh, it did run and drive. I did put a transmission in it. It was a success story, there by the go. way. Uh, but yeah, they hit us, uh, even years ago. So Sarah and I are going to take a break. Uh, be more story time with Sarah and Dustin after this, I suppose. Your complete car care solution. A1 Custom Car Care. All right. Welcome back. We've got Sarah and Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. Sarah, I'm going to drop a bomb on you right now. Okay. Believe it or not. 
figuring out some of these cars, it's just not like a magic eight ball where you roll the dice or you shake it up and, you know, it tells you what's wrong with the car. I've been, uh, I've had some very challenging ones this last few weeks, and I think you got to see one of them. I have a piece of equipment, or A1 Custom as a company, we have a piece of equipment that allows us to check the flow rate of fuel injectors, and I'm going to get a little nerdy here on you, so just bear with me. Um, But we had looked at this vehicle, and for whatever reason, they elected for us not to be the one to perform service on it. So they took it to another chain store here in town for whatever reason. That's fine. Well, not only did they not fix the initial problem, they threw some parts at it, but they put some aftermarket parts that are subpar quality And I could tell that by the invoice when they brought it back and said, hey, sorry, we tried to have somebody else uh, take care of this. It didn't work out. It's actually worse now. We need you to fix it for us. I said, all right. So we got in the middle of it. I did spend many hours going through this. But long story short, they had tried to fix a engine-related runnability misfire situation with a tune-up. Everybody just immediately goes to, oh, it needs a tune-up. And sometimes it does. But A, you can test and figure that out before you go chucking parts at things. And B, if it doesn't fix it, you better have the ability to figure out why and what's going on. So I think they had taken it back to the chain store a few different times. Um, they threw some more parts at it. They actually put a aftermarket poor, poor quality fuel injector in it. And then finally they gave up on it and they said, oh, sorry about your luck. Pay your bill. Have a good day. Your car's still broken. Well, that really is kind of what I live in and breathe for, if you will, is those challenging ones. You know, there's a lot of folks out there that can hang parts. Um, It's a very few and select group of folks that can figure out why those parts are bad. And thankfully, I have a team of folks around us at A1 Custom Car Care that is devoted to that as well. Are we perfect? No, things happen, but we know what to do about it when they happen. I've said it if I've said it once, I've said it a hundred times. You find out where the rubber meets a road, the road, with people or business when things don't go well. Okay. So, you know, I'm not one just to give up. Unfortunately, sometimes I wish I could. I just can't. I can't just throw in the towel. So I end up with a lot of these weird oddball people guessed at it and it's still not right or it's worse. So in this instance, when I saw the brand of fuel injector that was on the invoice, I'm like, nope, that's not okay. So I continued going through my tests, and we did many tests. I kept it actually for a couple of days, um, doing some leak down tests, doing some pressure checks on it, you know, documenting and getting all the information in order to make a proper decision. On this vehicle, it's not one that you can easily pull the injectors out of. You have to pull the intake off, which we did. And then we also have the equipment that not a lot of folks have as the ability to flow check the rate of the injectors. And we have or should have a similar flow rate within a milliliter or two. I'll be okay. I'm not going to get up in arms too much. When I have 10 and 20% difference across each uh, injector, six in this case, it was a four liter in a uh, Ford product, by the way, just so, you know, maybe somebody behind the scenes wants to know what that is. Um, 
I was able to check that information. And the other question from the customer was, hey, do I really need four injectors? Well, you've already been somewhere where they tried to put one injector in it, and that didn't do it because we have an imbalance. In order for that engine to run correctly, start correctly, do what it's supposed to, we need a balanced fuel delivery system along with the ability to compress and combust the air-fuel mixture in an even manner. So, yes, we did need to, and so we had that discussion. They elected to go ahead and put a set of good quality factory replacement injectors. So we got all that taken care of, and that vehicle ran extremely good. But I was able to showcase to our folks in the shop, to our um, service advisors, to the customer as well, hey, this is what should have been taken care of. The interesting part of it is that quote-unquote new injector that was put in by the, the chain store was one of the worst injectors that I had out of the ones that had 200-plus thousand miles on it. So I am extremely uh, prejudiced on what quality of part that we elect to put on customer vehicles. Now, I have to think outside of the box a lot because availability right now is very difficult but this was a big lesson to some of my new service advisors, some of our technicians to say, hey, I can show you what's going on with this runnability system, why we don't just do a partial repair, and why we choose the parts that we choose. Because at the end of the day, you know, I can't, nor do you have the time or money, I know I sure don't, to sacrifice quality to save, you know, a few cents, a few dollars, even a few hundred dollars. You know, the older I get, the more I figure out time really is something that you do not get back. Um, you know, I can I can do something here to make a few extra bucks here and there to offset time. If I can get time out of something, that truly has value to me. Um, you know, when I was younger and, and obviously was struggling trying to make my way in this world, um, you know, I obviously didn't have a ton of money and all I had was time. Well, I think we're all in the same boat that time accelerates the further down the path of life we get. So I want to make sure that we can do this maybe one and done or, you know, even two visits Versus trying to skimp and trying to save and creating more problems because, A, I didn't have a quality of standard that I know is a good quality part. And, B, the adverse as well, just seeing the invoice and the choices they made uh, showed me that, hey, this was a red flag right out of the gate. That's a that's a definitely a no-go for our company, this particular brand. And I'll tell you what brand it was. It was Dormant. If you guys out there, and Dorman makes a tremendous amount of products, but as a company, that is one of the, you know, that's almost like, uh, you know, blasphemy in, in our company. Um, Dorman has, their quality control has been atrocious. And when you go to a lot of these discount parts stores, you will find that that's what they're offering. And I'll have folks from time to time, you know, question, hey, can I get it a little cheaper over here? Can we do this or that? And the answer very directly is no, because that is actually in your 
uh, not in your best interest, even though I am probably going to want to put, you know, this or that on there that is a much higher quality. And sometimes that does cost more. Surprisingly, sometimes it doesn't, by the way. It's not always more. There's times I can get a OE or original equipment factory replacement part or a problem solver part versus going to some of these discount parts stores and putting something of Dorman's quality level, which is complete rubbish. I mean, I cannot say that any more politely. And throughout our company, I literally have um, stop um, clauses or or, uh, processes that, no, I would much rather sometimes even put a used part on than to stoop to the level of putting dormant or something equivalent. And you have to watch it, by the way. Some of these uh, discount parts stores are boxing dormant quality and dormant parts in their private label boxes. And that just drives me up a wall. Because at the end of the day, after I service it, you don't care, nor do you remember what brand of part I put on there. But you sure remember whether it worked or it didn't, whether it had the same problem or a different new problem. Ever since you worked on it, it's doing this now that it didn't do before. I've heard that before. And part of that experience is what has led us to put some of these policies out there that, hey, we're not going to open that level of exposure for us as a company or for you with the experience uh, or hopefully not having the experience to pay somebody your good hard-earned money at a chain store for them to not only not fix it, but to create new problems. And then I got to make heads or tails out of it when you come back, which is all right. I'm not upset about that. Not, not even the slightest. What I pride and really the reason that I get up and do this every day is to be able to work through those problems where others can't. And the skilled labor and the skilled trade across the board, this is not just automotive, is becoming a very, very sought-after skill set. Whether it's the plumbing industry, whether it's the heating and air. Sarah, I really got on my soapbox here, and I know we're down at the bottom of the hour. But skilled trades and the people that can really do what it is they're supposed to do is very, very in demand right now. And I'm very proud to be a part of that. So Sarah and I will be back in a minute. Your complete car care solution, A1 Custom Car Care. All right, welcome back, Sarah Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. Miss Sarah, was I on a soapbox a little bit too much there? A little bit, but that's okay. Hey, I did post a video uh-huh. of some of those uh, levels that you were covering in the last segment. So if you guys want to see that, you'll have to wait for the podcast to okay. be officially posted. It'll be posted right at 11. So Excellent. if you do want to see it, that's where you can find it. So just to kind of get a little backlog there, that is a uh, uh, injector flow bench for port fuel injectors. Um, most people probably think that this is a little bit too much information. But if you do take a notion, um, it allows me to pull out all the fuel injectors, give a balance rate and a comparison on spray pattern, which makes a huge difference on fuel economy, performance, and idle quality of how that vehicle is going to run for you. And that's something, you know, there are folks around that has that, but uh, out of all the shops I know, and I know a bunch of them, I would say maybe one or two other shops have that piece of equipment. And I actually years ago went up to a fuel injection uh, remanufacturing school and spent a week there learning how to do all this stuff and why it's important. So it's just that extra kind of tool in your toolbox that I can 
you know, I'm from Missouri. This is the show me state. I want you to show me what it needs, and I will gladly do that for you. So it's been kind of cool. It's kind of a little different. Uh, yeah, I thought it was kind of interesting. You were I didn't necessarily know what I was looking mm-hmm. at there, but it was pretty clear that even if I didn't know what I was looking at, yes. all of those levels were at different places within that uh, little fancy tool. Yeah, and, you know, it allows me to have that much more confidence as well. You know, I don't want to be the best guesser in town. That's right. That's definitely not it. And I think all of us over the years, whether it's automotive or, you know, medical field, whatever, you know, we're not, you know, let's here take this pill and see if it works. And if it doesn't, we'll try another one. We'll try another one. I don't know. That just doesn't just doesn't do it for me. It's one of those things. So, you know, it's kind of different. I like getting to the bottom of what's going on with things. So hey, there you go. You're in the right profession for yes, that. Yes, for sure. So, Miss Sarah, um, you said you didn't want to talk about high gas and fuel prices, but I'm going to put you on the spot. Okay. You and I have been talking about this for a couple months now, actually. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we're going to see this come back for any time right I don't now. think so. so. Thankfully, you're in pretty good shape. You've got a couple of, uh, you know, good, I would say good fuel economy vehicles. Mm-hmm. Um, some of us don't. Uh, some of us have diesel-powered stuff because we do a lot of towing and hauling. We're trying to be strategic with that. Um, but I do have a little pickup, and I think we talked about this this week or this weekend, if you will. I'm going to drag it out of the field, out of the fence row, uh-huh. and I'm going to get it up to the house and see what it's going to take. I'm probably going to have to go through the fuel system. I'm definitely going to have to order a set of tires for it and figure out, you know, it hasn't run. I was really trying to think about that in eight to ten years. It hasn't run. Is this the little Mazda? This is the little Mazda, yeah. Oh, so this weekend, I'm going to get the truck and trailer. We're going to go out there. It's got a winch on it, so I'm going to drag it up on the old trailer. Maybe I'll try and take some photos, and yeah, maybe we should. can post that and, and let some people be a little bit a part of that as the process. But I'm going to pull the trigger and order a set of tires for it and get it out, because I'm going to start having to drive it again. You know, It's a little four-cylinder manual transmission, four-wheel drive pickup. And we're we're at the point that, you know, when I'm just running to town or whatever, I don't want to feed, you know, my monsters of <laughs> towing capacity, which sometimes there's no replacement for, depla- for displacement. Have you ever heard that? Mm-mm. So what that means is the bigger the engine, the better. And I like, I'm that guy, you know, <laughs> I got to have it. Uh, but on this one, you know, it's a little small displacement engine. It's a 2.6 liter versus my Duramax is a 6.6 liter. So I'm going to try and get that thing out, try and see if I can freshen and clean some of the fuel systems. And, uh, you know, that's going to be kind of my little grocery getter, if you will. You know, if me and one of the kids is going somewhere, we'll have something we can just run into town with, but it's probably going to be a couple month process. I'm just going to piddle with this as we go. I think I was telling you before we started the show, we have, I think, three different uh, engine replacements that we're doing at the shop right now. Oh, yes. And that's a little bit more than normal. You know, I'll do a motor every week or two, maybe once a month, depending on the store. Um, That's not something that obviously we were very capable of, but that's not really kind of the root business that we do. Um, but we have talked about repowers or, you know, the aviation industry, you know, it's not uncommon to have a seventies model plane that's, you know, had several engine rebuilds, overhauls, et cetera, done to it. And with the prices and availability of things, I've got a gentleman, uh, he's, he's after my own heart. He had one towed in, 
Uh, I think he told me he'd been sitting about eight years. It's an F-250 four-wheel drive, I believe. That's going to be my next one that I start on. Uh, he had some issues. I can see somebody had been doing some work. And finally, that I, I feel like for whatever reason, they just kind of lost you know, the interest in it and it sat. Well, I'm not sure why he's in need of it now, but versus buying a new one or a new to him one, we're going to refurb or uh, re, uh, you know repower this F-250, which I'm very excited about. I've done many, many, many repowers over the years. A lot of Ford platforms, a lot of Chevy, etc. You know those vehicles. I, I have this kind of like theory that you know some vehicles are what I consider disposable. You know, you wouldn't necessarily think about putting an engine in a Geo Metro, for say. Now, with gas prices up the way they are now, you might. Uh, but back in the day, essentially, people bought those to drive them as long as they could. And when something catastrophic went out on them, they put them out to pasture. Now, I still do see a lot of Geo Metros out on the road today. And I always, uh, you know, kind of give them a little bit extra credit that they've kept it on the road. And, and uh, they're really reaping the benefits of it right now with fuel prices. Some of those geos had a little three-cylinder engine in them. They were manual transmission. Um, the zero to sixty, you could time with a calendar versus a stopwatch because they just they didn't have much displacement. They were they were little bitty uh, power plants. However, when gas is north of five bucks a gallon, you know I might uh, save an extra few minutes and and uh, leave a little bit earlier if I can get there on a few bucks versus. 40 bucks, you know, right. um, many times throughout the week, I drive back and forth, uh, you know, to Marionville from clever. Sometimes that's 20 or 30 bucks to run over there and back. And it's like, man, I'd much rather do that on 12 or 13 bucks. Right. Well, you know, usually I'm pretty good about keeping my gas tank almost full. And the other day I officially did not fill it up. Uh-oh. And for the first time, I think since I've had my vehicle, I shut it off. It was at like $45 and I'm like, you I just can't. had enough. I was just, I you cried uncle. I was like, I got to go. I don't have time for this. I really don't have the money to keep doing mm-hmm. this. So I need to just, just leave before yeah. I get angry. So yeah, <sighs> I mean, it used like probably about a year and a half, two years ago, it took 20, $21 yeah. to fill up. And I think that. I think the most that I've put in it is like close to 50. Wow. I know. So, you know, I, I've had this dis, uh, discussion a lot of times over the years. You know, it costs just the same exact amount of money to drive a vehicle on with a full tank as, as, as it does to put 10 or 20 bucks in right. it at a time. So I'm definitely the full tank kind of guy as well. You know, if I'm going to take the time, you know, to our point earlier, time is is slipping away from all of us. To stop and put gas in, I'm filling it up because it takes the same amount of money. Mm-hmm. But to your point, swipe the old card. It's trucking away. I think I'm at a come and go, by the way. And it clicks off at 125 and it's still not full. And I know I've complained about this on the show and I don't want to just be a complainer. But no, I did not swipe the card and continue filling it up. I, I hung the pump back up and whatever was in it. And now it was almost full, but still I was like, man... This is just absurd that I'd have to swipe the card twice. And I know my truck driver friends out there, you guys are way in worse shape than than any of us. Um, I've got a a rural mail delivery friend of mine. He puts gas in his, he uses a little S10 Blazer every day. And he, uh, he could tell me that he knows exactly how much it takes every single day because he's been doing this forever. It's the same route. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And uh, he started noticing a decline on, or well, or I guess an increase. Um, it would be a decline on his fuel economy, but he noticed it cost an extra few dollars in his gas each week. And he didn't understand why, didn't know why. Well, this went on for a few weeks and he called me and he said, hey, what was happening is he was having a brake failure and his brake caliper was holding on, I think it was like the left driver front, while he was on his route. And so he could literally, because he he monitored it so close, he started, that was kind of his first clue. And then over the last couple of weeks before it truly locked up, he said it was like an extra $5 a day. Wow. Because it, it was essentially kind of riding the right. brakes on that one caliper all the time. And so I, you know, was able to ID it. We were able to, you know, give him some direction. He got it fixed. But uh, I thought it was really interesting. He monitored it so close that he did that same route every day. He knew exactly what it was going to cost him. And his tank on there, he knew exactly how big the tank was. But because of his route, he can't run two days in a row. Uh, he would run out of gas on the second day. So he just fills it up every single morning. And that's how he's done it for many, many years. So I just thought that was kind of neat. You know, paying attention to the decrease in fuel economy right now is going to pay off big time. But Sarah and I will take a break. We'll be back in a minute. Your complete car care solution. A1 Custom Car Care. We got just a little bit of time. You got Sarah Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. I don't want to be all gloom and doom all the time. Everybody's complaining about how much everything is. I get it. So what do we do about it? What are you going to do about it, Sarah? Well, God forbid, don't put any wild additives in it. Yes. Don't do that. So we have an additive show coming up. Yes. There are some good additives out there, Mm -hmm. and Sarah and I will talk about them. That's not going to be gloom and doom. No, not gloom and doom. That is right. Um, You do need to be cautious about, I would keep, um, we have not seen it here. No, I did see it actually the other day. Um, I had a gas station there close to home that was out of fuel. Oh. And so thankfully I had enough fuel to keep on going down the road, but I've heard about it across, you know, we in the uh northeastern states there were some some fuel shortages. Um I'm not saying we're going to see that, but I'm going to keep a little extra fuel in the tank by the way. So that's one way to do it. Second way is, you know, making sure that you're getting your fuel from a high volume station. You with the amount of ethanol, especially for our small engines by the way, uh, I noticed the signal there in Nixa has ethanol-free premium. Not all premium has uh, ethanol-free in it. Sometimes some of the stations are still putting ethanol in there. The uh, old uh, commander-in-chief also is pushing, and I think it is through, where they are increasing the ethanol content from 10 to 15%. Had you got wind of that yet, Sarah? Yeah, I heard that. So twofold there. I am going to complain a little bit more. Man. <laughs> Uh, ethanol predominantly comes from our food industry, by the way. So a lot of the corn, uh, you had, are you guys buying feeder corn right now? Did I get wind that maybe you're in the chicken business? Mm -hmm. Uh, do you remember offhand what the last feeder, uh, bag of feed cost? You know what? I don't know because Ryan picked it up. Ryan's the man. I know. So when I started, which I don't have any chickens right now, but I need to, I need to rectify that situation. I was getting, you know, crack corn, whatever, for like under five bucks. And I think it's darn near $15 right now. It doesn't so, surprise me. Yeah, it's it's coming up in a hurry. Why does that matter with fuel? Well, um, it drives up because they're using a certain amount of our corn grains to make fuel out of. 
um, there's less corn out there for our feeder animals, so we're driving the price of that up. So that's what, like uh, 150% inflation, would that be? Don't look at me. I'm not a math person. <laughs> you guys, you guys uh, let us know. You can send us a message and say, how much inflation was the feeder corn? It's a bunch. It's well more than double. It's actually almost triple what it used to be, All not all that long ago. So our gas prices are going along with it. So I'm keeping my tires aired up. I'm keeping my fluids changed. I am uh, pulling the old uh, gas saver out of the fence row. I see and have a lot of you guys coming in the shops for the same thing. What I don't want you to do, and it will be coming. I haven't seen it as a, pardon me, yet, um, probably because I don't watch a lot of TV anymore. But the late night, I remember when gas went, like, nutty here, what was, like, oh, uh, 2008, I mm-hmm. guess. Um, they had the whole night, you know, when you stayed up past, like, you know, 11 o'clock and the late, late show was off. Had the as seen on TV, this little widget, blah, 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 that'll get you X amount of fuel uh, mileage increase. And those things did nothing but create problems. So if it's too good to be true, it probably is. Um, But there's a lot of basic stuff that we can do. Um, I do have a technician uh, who does a very good job doing combustion analytics and essentially seeing whether your vehicle is getting as good a fuel economy as it can get. Uh, but there's a lot of stuff you can do on your own, you know, just uh, making sure you're not hauling a lot of extra crap around. Believe it or not, you know, I notice uh, I drive a, a service truck most of the time who's got a ton of weight in it because I, I uh, haul a lot of tools and equipment with me to where I can work with each one of our store locations to where I can show up on site and be prepared and, and, and contribute versus, you know, showing up without the right tools just ain't going to work. So with all that extra weight, when I get into a similar um, power plant vehicle, I notice the vehicles run, you know, and accelerate quite a bit different than mine that has several thousands of pounds that's in it all the time. So if you've got some excess garbage floating around in the vehicle, you need to get it out. You know, you don't drive around the summer with a load of wood in the back of the truck. Um, so you need to just be a steward of that. You know, sometimes it'll take an extra few minutes to clean something out like that. Maybe it saves you several bucks throughout the week. It's all going to add up over time. So definitely be prepared and not scared. Have you ever heard that uh, that coin phrase? I have. There's a guy out in California. He's got a great YouTube channel. He's called The Economic Ninja is the name of his channel. Uh, he's very charismatic. He's uh, very entertaining to watch. Um, he's got a lot of good insights on different things kind of coming down the pipe. You know, he talked about the fuel and different things and different cycles. Um, and this is one of them. We're all going to have cycles that, you know, we're going to have the ebb and flow. Um, but his kind of philosophy, if you will, is based around being prepared and not scared. You know, I don't want to dig my head in the sand and not talk about some of these hot button items no matter how infuriating some of them make us because we're all in this world together we got to deal with this and we got to move on so you know i uh sarah you were actually asking me do i regret or i forgot how you phrased it having some diesel powered vehicles Mm, yes Uh, or was i thinking about getting rid of them i think is maybe kind of what you were after and honestly i own them outright so there's no payment there's no you know, very little overhead. I've paid the taxes on them and, or, you know, you continue to pay the owner of the property tax here in the state of Missouri. Um, so it's easier for me to keep those vehicles and even do some significant repairs on them 
because I don't have that, you know, note on them anymore. You know, my uh, Duramax, I put a set of fuel injectors in it when I very first got it. I think I had north of like seven grand in that. Now, of course, I couldn't just put injectors in it. I had to do some power upgrades while I was there, um, which on that Duramax paid off tremendously while we tow our camper. That was the main reason we did it is we got a camper and we, it's not all for recreation. We use it when we go up to St. Louis with my little one. Um, we, we were in the children's hospital several times a year and that allows us to have a controlled environment for her to stay in instead of in a hotel. And so that's really kind of what crafted that. So yeah, the, uh, the diesel situation that I kind of got into, uh, definitely kind of stings a little bit. But the fact that I don't have, and I did build a truck here on Ford's website, I think it's been about eight or 10 months ago. Um, the truck that I'd really like to have is about between 72 and $78,000. Now, a lot of that is based on towing capacity, right. et cetera. But, you know, the payment, if I remember right, their calculator was like almost like 1300 a month. That is ridiculous. Yeah. That's more than my house payment. I know. And so I was like, you know what? My old Duramax is doing pretty good. So I went ahead and ponied up to the table and, and, you know, ordered all the stuff I wanted to do and spent, you know, some nights and weekends kind of getting that truck ready to go. And now I've got an excursion with a 7.3 diesel in as well that Stacy drives. Um, and it's been a good fit for her. I'm kind of rehabbing it. We uh, ended up with it. It's obviously used. Um, and I wasn't afraid, obviously, with my skill set and background. It had over 400,000 miles on it when we got it. Wow. And most people would be like, oh, my God, that thing is wore out. However, beans, it's a diesel. Beans, we own it outright. I'm okay to rehab it or refurb it. And so I'm seeing a lot of folks with that like-mindedness showing up to the shop saying, hey, I got XYZ. What can you do for me? And, you know, we'll have a discussion and see whether it's possible you know, some people think that, you know, I had a guy the other day, very nice gentleman. He's like, oh, you know, I'll put four or five grand at it. And, you know, that would do a lot, but the vehicle had been sitting for over 10 years. He wanted to put an engine in it and, you know, some other things. But when a vehicle sits, I'm going to have to go through the brake system. I'm going to have to go through the fuel system. I'm going to have to put an engine in it. So we were going to, you know, double or triple what his budget was. So that wasn't necessarily the the fit that he was looking for, which is okay. But I've got this gentleman, you know, who's brought one in now. You know, we're going to put an engine. We're going to go through the front end. We're going to go through the fuel system. I'm going to pull the injectors out before I put them back on the new engine because that is a part that's normally transferred from engine to engine. We're going to put them on the flow bench. I'm going to make sure they're in good shape before we install them to ensure that the outcome is what it is we're looking for because I love, I truly do love resurrecting vehicles. So. Miss Sarah, this has been very enjoyable. I know. It's nice to actually sit and talk to somebody who can talk back to yes. me. I just officially got back from maternity leave. So, so happy to have the, you back. I know. I'm excited to be back. <laughs> I mean, I do miss my little one, but yes. um, the little one and uh, the dog are not much for conversation. Yep. And when you work uh, in a field where you talk for a <laughs> yes, living. Yes, you do. Yes. It, uh, it got a little lonely I a little quick. So next week we're going to do a show on additives. So if you do have any questions about any type of additives, or if you just have any questions in general for Dustin, you can shoot us a text on our talk and text line, 417-447-5743. Once again, that is 447-5743. Or you can reach out to us on our social media at 1041KSGF. Dustin, I hope you have a good rest of your weekend. You as well. Bye.